Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 168. Today's episode is a doozy. It's a big one. We cover a lot for anyone who is recovering from or has recovered from a toxic workplace or a toxic relationship or a toxic life situation of any kind. So if you're someone who's really struggled with stress and how to get it out of your body and how to actually you know, create a new normal for yourself after recovering from a very trying and stressful period of your life, today's episode and today's very special guest are going to be great for you. Lots of practical tips ahead, so don't go anywhere. In the meantime, I want to make sure you are reminded of the Bossed Up Life Tracker Planner for 2020, which is now available for pre-order. We have three gorgeous new cover designs for 2020, and this is the proprietary goal-tracking methodology that I have been using and creating and iterating on since way back in 2013. We use the Life Tracker as a goal management paradigm at every one of our Boss Up Bootcamp trainings, and we've used it in our planners now for three years running, and every year we've made the planner a little better based on your feedback. But the beauty of the Boss Up Life Tracker is that it helps you make practical and make possible your wildly audacious ambitions in a way that frankly doesn't leave you feeling overwhelmed. So if you want the power of positive psychology, cognitive science, and behavioral economics on your side to help you actually make 2020 your best, most bossin year yet, well, the Life Tracker Planner is available now in the Bossed Up Shop, and it's only $34.99. So make sure to reserve yours now because they are going fast. We've got tons of pre-orders already coming in. Thank you to everyone who already placed their order. Most of you are those who bought last year, which is always encouraging to see our high reorder rate. I can't wait to get these beauties into your hands. As soon as they come in, we'll be shipping them out. So we're shipping... Uh, next month, but we're taking pre-orders right now. Um, as a note, part of the benefit of getting yourself a Bossed Up Life Tracker is that I host three really intensive and thorough calls. Really, we call them master classes in January to help you understand the psychology behind this goal management system and set you up to make the most of your planner in 2020. And then beyond that, this year we started hosting quarterly accountability calls. So every quarter, everyone who has a life tracker is invited to join me live, ask any and all questions, weigh in, and frankly, check in with one another about where they're headed and how we can support them. It's a really beautiful way to, to stay engaged and involved in the Bossed Up community. And I invite you to join us by purchasing your own life tracker planner right now in the Bossed Up shop. Now, today's episode is inspired by yet another career conundrum that came in 
via the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook, which if you haven't joined us there already, make sure you rectify that right away by finding the link to the Courage community in today's show notes. All right, let's dive into today's conversation about recovering from a toxic workplace. I am thrilled for you to meet one of my favorite longtime members of the Bossed Up community, Lindsay Foss. Lindsay is a licensed marriage and family therapist based in the D.C. area who has not only served as a featured trainer at Bossed Up Bootcamp, but is actually also a graduate of Bossed Up Bootcamp herself from way back when we first started Bossed Up with the very first bootcamp back in 2013. She specializes in supporting youth, families, and couples as they face many of life's big transitions. And having lived abroad on multiple occasions, she enjoys working with families facing the changes that come with moving to a new culture. She also helps young adults facing personal and professional challenges. So if you're feeling stuck, unsettled, or down, she provides space for her clients to work through challenges in a supportive, judgment-free environment. Lindsay Foss, welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. Hi, Emily. Great to be here. I'm so glad to have you on. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were in our first ever class of Bossed Up Bootcamp alums back in 2013. Is that right? I was. I was still in my master's program at the time, trying to get my thesis done. And thanks to the life tracker, I was able to do that and have gotten to where I am today. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. And now (laughs) we've also featured you as a trainer. So for folks who've been to Bossed Up Bootcamp in Miami, or where else have we had you train at Bossed Up? Chicago, Boston. Yes, Chicago. Mm -hmm. We always feature a licensed therapist at boot camps and Lindsay very well may have been the one you had. So it's so fun to see women in our community like you just continue to rise and then of course turn around and lift as you climb. So thank you for all of that. Absolutely. So let me just read a little bit of Lydia's question here because Lydia shared her question in the online courage community we have on Facebook here at Bossed Up. And she said, I know you've done some episodes on toxic jobs, which yes, we certainly have. I'll link to them in the show notes. But have you done one on recovering from a toxic job? And I thought this was such an important caveat, an important question around, and really that belies how traumatizing being in a toxic workplace can be. As a therapist in D.C. especially, which (laughs) I consider like burnout capital of the world, I'd be curious, you know, have you worked with people who struggled to recover from a toxic workplace? Absolutely. I think Lydia made a great point in her question that she feels like she's spent the past year healing from this experience. And she's absolutely right that it can take a very long time for us to really heal from toxic work environments. It's wild. I've heard it almost compared to PTSD symptoms. And Mm -hmm. I I never want to throw that around casually because I would never want to minimize just how traumatizing PTSD or recovering from war can be and being Mm -hmm. in uh, the armed services can be, which is amazing and such a sacrifice. But also, is it? Like, can it be compared Mm -hmm. to PTSD? Have you seen symptoms like that? And and tell us more about what the diagnostic definition of PTSD might be or what that looks like. So the diagnostic criteria for 
full-blown PTSD would probably not be met because that does require a, a, a life-threatening event um, oh. in general or, or witnessing a life-threatening event, even if it wasn't life-threatening to you. Got it. But in terms of the symptoms that people experience with PTSD, it's absolutely very similar. The intrusive thoughts, feeling startled, having nightmares, trouble sleeping, a lot of the same symptoms can occur. And that's really because what they have in common is this activation of your nervous system. So our nervous systems are primed to respond to threats and they can become very, very well attuned to threat, particularly in high stress or toxic work environments. And over time, basically what happens is our nervous systems start to interpret many things as threats Mm. that may or may not actually be. So a lot of times, even when we move away from these toxic work environments, we're still experiencing these same symptoms, which can feel really frustrating. Yeah. Tell me more about how the nervous system works in that way. I know we just did an episode about understanding the stress cycle and how your Mm -hmm. brain and body are so physiologically affected by stress. Mm -hmm. What does that look like with with patients of yours who are trying to come back from a hyper-triggered amount of stress in their brain and body? Part of our nervous system is the sympathetic and parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system, which Mm -hmm. work together to to attempt to keep balance in our body. Our sympathetic nervous system is what is triggered when we we often hear about the fight, flight, or freeze instinct that is perfectly designed to keep us very safe. You know, if I'm crossing a busy road in DC and a car is blowing through a stoplight, there's not time for me to think through how to react. I just need to run. So it's a very important part of our body and part of keeping us safe and can lead to our instinctual reactions to either fight somebody physically, to run away, or to shut down. And what we find is that in our modern society, it's not simple threats from cars or from lions jumping out of the forest. It's actually from a lot of threats in our environment, our daily environment, which is our workplace. And so when our sympathetic nervous system is activated, it basically shuts down our thinking brain. So we're really operating from an instinctual place. So you can think of at the lowest level, a lizard. You can... Right. Is that where the lizard brain comes Mm -hmm. from? Okay. So you you can talk as much as you want to a lizard, but he's not going to respond back to you in any way. (laughs) But if you reach for him, he sure will run fast. So it's the same for us if we're in our lizard brain, or there's also what I call the, people tend to call the mammalian brain. Neither of those are where our, our thinking and our reasoning parts of our brain are. But those are the only parts that are functioning when our sympathetic nervous system is activated. So if we're in this toxic work environment that is stressful all the time, it's constantly triggering our sympathetic nervous system, our ability to think through the responsibilities of our job, to respond well in meetings, to perform at our best is really compromised. Um, And it can eventually also impact our ability to connect with other people, maintain relationships. Because again, thinking about a lizard, a lizard doesn't need to maintain relationships. He just needs to run away when there's a threat. I almost am am reminded of the scarcity mindset when it comes to safety and finances and just the cycle of poverty, right? Mm -hmm. When you can't see past tomorrow, 
it's really hard to plan long term. Right. right, exactly. Which is when yeah. our, our nervous system is is overactivated. Again, if I'm running away from a bus that's going to hit me, I don't need to think about tomorrow. Right. So we really need to be able to activate the other part of our nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system, to be able to plan ahead, to have introspection and reflect on ourselves. All important things, right? All really important things for like right. long-term career success. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. the first step in, in healing from these toxic work environments is first being in a safe environment where you're not going to have these threats and the toxic stress all the time. But then secondly, learning to rebalance our nervous system so that our our sympathetic nervous system isn't activated and we can turn on our parasympathetic system to be able to do these things important for our career. Interesting. I want to dive more into those steps in a, in a moment. But first, do you ever find people are actually, quote, addicted, end quote, to stress? Like, I hear that a lot that, oh, this person's just addicted to stress. They just they enjoy that amount of stress mm-hmm. or they can't stop themselves from being in such a stressful environment. They seek out drama. Is that real? Do you feel like that is a fair analogy? There's a fair amount of of discussion about that in the mental health community, actually, about okay. whether that is a fair analogy. But I mean, what you can say is that when your nervous system is activated due to stress or due to um, a, a threat, I mean, you do get a rush of a bunch of different chemicals that can it, it can feel really exciting and good and kind of as an upper almost right in very simplistic terms so so yes I, I can see how some people might feel that way kind of think of it as an addiction or it, you know for for those of us who were raised in environments where it was consistently high stress or there were a lot of threats growing up that's our norm And so if that is your norm, then activating your parasympathetic nervous system and and kind of living in a a different way doesn't feel right. And so there's naturally you want to go back to what what you were used to. Oh, my God. Are we in a therapy session right now? Where's the (laughs) tissue box? This is too real. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful. I think it's just a good reminder that like your baseline, like human beings are pretty adaptive and we can adapt to some really toxic shit. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we can get used to and become familiar with really fucked up behaviors. Definitely. That also means we can adapt the other way too. We can adapt our bodies to be used to safer, calmer, healthier environments. It, It takes time and work. But you can do I was going to say, reel us in now because now you've got my attention and, and <laughs> I feel like everybody who's listening who's ever found themselves like, oh, am I defaulting to what is familiar to me, even if that is not what I want in my life? Like, mm-hmm. what now? So what are those sort of next steps that you were alluding to if someone finds themselves, okay, I'm out of this toxic workplace now. Mm-hmm. What now? What's on the other side of it? How do I not repeat these patterns or find myself falling into the same traps? There are a number of different ways that you can go. So what I you need to do first is really do think about physiologically 
calming yourself, re-regulating right. your nervous system. And there's a million different ways that you can do that. Some of them include breathing. And I'm not talking about like, if you're angry, take a deep breath and then everything is fixed. But right. teaching yourself belly breathing, which can actually be calming to our nervous system. It's one of the few automatic functions of our body that you can control. So if we can teach ourselves deep belly breathing, and you can do that regularly for several minutes at a time, Time, it can both start to rebalance your nervous system so that you're not activated as easily. So I talk about mm. expanding your window of tolerance, and it can also be useful in the moment. Wow. I want to challenge anyone who's listening to this right now who's having <laughs> a stressful day to literally press pause. And I know that's not what podcasters are supposed to say. <laughs> We're supposed to say, keep listening, stay with us. But I want you to press pause on this right now and do three very deep belly breaths and then come back mm-hmm. and hit play. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> because I really think your point is so well taken, Lindsay, especially in a world that is so, so obsessed with thinness mm-hmm. that we have all been conditioned to sometimes unconsciously just ex- like not expand, to suck in our tummies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, like to stand up straight and and suck things in. And I find myself unconsciously clenching my abs <laughs> throughout yes. my day and breathing really shallow. And what you're saying is that physiologically that primes me for battle, right? Absolutely. Right. I mean, if you ever think about getting upset or, or getting into a fight, your breathing is fast and shallow. And so if we can change our breathing to be deeper, slower, more balanced, it can really help. I think one of my colleagues is a great example of this. She, of the the need to practice this regularly. She has yeah. very intense anxiety about flying. And she realized after a while when she had been practicing belly breathing, you know, learning to be a therapist, one day she was on a plane and there was a lot of turbulence and she got really stressed out. And she suddenly realized and noticed that her body had kicked in belly breathing automatically and she was doing it without thinking about it. And that could only happen because she has been practicing and her body had basically been primed. When I'm in a stress-inducing situation, this is the way I need to breathe, not this fast and shallow breathing. So instead of kind of working herself, her body working into a almost panic attack, it was had learned to do the opposite through really regular practice. Okay. So you're saying through regular practice, we can rewire our own habits. Absolutely. I always am reminded whenever I read about neurology, and I'm no therapist or cognitive scientist, but when I read about the neurology of stress, I'm reminded that our brains are kind of like super highways and whatever lanes are getting the most attention. Mm -hmm. Like if my stress response is to start breathing really shallow, when I see an email come in that stresses me out, that connection gets stronger every time you do it, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so by forcing and being mindful about choosing an alternative highway, you actually strengthen that superhighway in your brain, right? Those neural connections get stronger through use, right? Absolutely. And that's also where I remind my clients to get frustrated. I've been doing this for a month. Or I've been doing this for three months and, and it isn't changing. First, we highlight mm. what changes have happened. But then I say, you know, you were doing it the other way for 33 years and you think that in three months it's, it's going to rewire all of that. And that would be nice, but that's not realistic. Right. So we need to have grace and, and be patient with habits like that. I love that. Because over time it will change. So, I mean, some other things that can help expand your window of tolerance, regular aerobic exercise, again, is about 
habits that can prime our body to activate a different type of nervous system and can also release stress hormones. So if you're doing that on a regular basis, it can keep our our, our window of tolerance a bit wider than it normally is. Tell me more, Lindsay, about what you mean by a window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. You've used that phrase a few times and I love it, but I want to understand it correctly. So our window of tolerance would be the the zone that we're in where we can focus, we can connect with other people, we can do our work well. If we're out of our window of tolerance, we're in fight or flight or freeze mode. So we're shutting down or we are flying off the handle or we're just kind of frantic, frozen. I feel like someday when I have little kiddos, I want to teach them that and be like, you're not in the window. Let's get back in the window. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> I think we all benefit from knowing about it. I love mm-hmm. that. I love that. That's a really good uh, example. And it comes from polyvagal theory. So if people are interested in learning more, they can look up polyvagal theory. Okay, sweet. So we've got deep belly breathing. We've got what was the second thing you were just saying? Exercise. Exercise. And that is Big also fan. something to think carefully about. So some people do benefit from running or kind of more intense aerobic exercise. Some people whose nervous systems have been really activated for a long time benefit more mm-hmm. from things like restorative yoga or something that is really well designed for activating your parasympathetic nervous system. So you need to kind of try some things and, and see what's right for you at this point in your life. Yeah. And I think it also (laughs) needs to be the right environment. Like there are some exercise apps and classes whose trainers or instructors are focused on things that I don't want to focus on when I'm working out. This is, we're talking about exercising for your sanity, not vanity. And I talked about this when I was reviewing Emily Nagoski's book on burnout on the episode a couple of weeks back, I'll link to it. But, um, you know, we got to put ourselves in the right physical environments for encouragement in the form of how does your body feel? How does your brain feel after this? Not what does the scale say? You yes, know, how do you close it? Right. And it should go without saying, but it has to be said because <laughs> sometimes I find myself in a yoga class where people are being praised for good don't give up. And I'm like, it's not giving up if I'm in yoga and I stop doing something. You just got to be careful if you're getting the right feedback or not and be, you know, choosy about which is working for you. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, Awesome. Awesome. I cannot say enough about the importance of sleep. I want to make sure I do mention that. Quality (laughs) sleep for enough hours, which is really seven to nine hours for adults um, Mm. is vital for our physical health and our mental health. If you are struggling with sleep and have have been struggling regularly and you're trying different things and it's not helping, one thing you may want to look into that's shown to be highly effective and non-pharmaceutical is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And there are therapists, including myself, who are trained specifically in that. And you could, you know, even just do a consultation with them and find out if that's right for you or perhaps they just have some other recommendations for you. But that is very important. If your sleep is out of whack, I would start there and trying to figure out how to get it in check. That's a really good point. I remember when I was in some of the most traumatizing periods of my life, sleep was hard to make happen. Yes. Right? Like there was just a lot going on reverberating throughout your body when you're in that much Mm -hmm. intense stress, when you're in a period of 
of stress. Like I have been at different times in my life and I've written about this for the Bossed Up blog and this podcast about how I've really focused on sleep. I had my own sleep revolution like five mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And I can't understate the power of simply prioritizing it. Yes. Saying like, I don't know what works for me, but I'm going to find out. And every week was an experiment. Every month was a different learning. I invested in a refurbished, because it was so expensive to buy mm-hmm. it new, but a refurbished wake-up lamp. Yes. And mm-hmm. I experimented with, with essential oils. Yeah, the light therapy. Oh my God, I amazing. Have one of those. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there's a lot of different tactics. I'll share the link in the show notes, but I had to literally say, Emily, if you don't get your sleep under control, you're not going to have the mental capacity to do the work you need to do next. And the, your immune system, almost everything is compromised when we don't sleep enough. Yeah. Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker is a great book with more information about sleep and also a lot of best practices for sleeping well. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that. A friend of mine a couple of weeks ago mentioned it. It's so it was good. the first time I'd heard it. And he said, this book's like changed my life. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. All right. I got to check it out. Um, I'll drop the link to it. All right. So this person who is now in a better workplace, they've gotten themselves out. They've, they've figured their way out. And if you want more on that conversation, check out the other episodes I've done on that. Now they're exercising, they're belly breathing, they're sleeping. What else would be on the must-do list there? A few more things. So one thing is focus on your relationships, your positive, healthy relationships, whether that's family, friends, whoever is around you, ensure that you're getting time with those people. Going through traumas and high stress situations can be really isolating. And another way that we can calm our nervous system down is by being close with those who love us and who are safe people for us. And one other thing just to think about is rhythm and things like music and dance can also be very healing to our nervous system. And it it allows you to connect with other people as well. So in general, we're not taking a dance class alone and we're not playing music alone or with other people. So if that's something that you enjoy, that's absolutely something to, to think about. What's the deal with rhythm? Do you know what the, like, why does that feel so good? Cause I, I definitely get it. Like it feels good to bust out a dance move in your living room <laughs> to some Janelle Monet. It feels f-ing great to just wail on a drum set, which is something yes. I've incorporated into mm-hmm. my stress regimen. Why does that feel so good, I wonder? That is a great question. There's definite connections in terms of brain development and our nervous system. Bruce Perry is one mental health professional who really has pioneered a lot of things and connected to that. So he is someone to look up if you're interested in learning more about those connections. Definitely. I will drop some links on that. (laughs) Because if you think about it, babies love to bang on a drum too. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something very innate to our human brain that wants to make rhythm happen. That's so satisfying. I love that you pointed that out. That's awesome. And overall, I I really like Dan Siegel, who um, is another big name in the field. He came up with the Healthy Mind Platter, and it incorporates all the things I just named. He also said it's eight different things that are important for a healthy mind, or it's seven different things. And so that's something to look up if you kind of like a, a visual or a kind of a system for how to keep strong mental, emotional health. It's a great one. 
But once your nervous system is back on track and, and you are feeling like you're overall more in a calm place and you've developed that awareness of your body, I think it really is important to do a couple of things. Remember, when our nervous system is activated, we're not able to use the reasoning parts of our brain. So until that's under control, you can't really do these two things. But one is to take a look at any cognitive distortions that have arisen for you because of this toxic work environment. So I think about myself, I at one point was in an extremely toxic and stressful workplace and left mm. for a wonderful supportive workplace with a great boss, wonderful coworkers, everything was wonderful. And I realized after months at that job that I was still before every meeting with my boss, my body was getting tense and I was thinking through everything I'd done in the past week that could have possibly gone wrong that she could possibly wow. criticize me for and what I was going to say to defend myself. And so wow. I really once once that clicked for me, I had to take a look at myself and think what is going on there? What messages was I getting at my last workplace that have created that in my own brain as my thought process? And how can I deal with this in my workplace now, knowing that my current boss does not do that? She doesn't criticize if there's a performance issue. She brings it up and, and right. we address it. And so I really had to think about what what new internal messages had been created in a toxic environment and how I could change those in my current environment. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. So when you talk about like dissonance, you mean like my reaction mm. to or my mental dialogue mm. right, is coming right. from a place of anxiety that's not really matching up to reality. Right. Exactly. That's not accurate. Yeah. And it can, it can appear in a lot of different ways, but these, the, yeah. yes, thought processes that you have that are not helpful. I don't know how anyone else possibly makes progress on that other than with a therapist, <laughs> because that is like what 90% of my conversations with my therapist are about. It's like, here's this thought. It keeps coming up. It's not real, right? Right. <laughs> and then we kind of unpack it because as someone who is very plan oriented mm -hmm. and analytical and anxious. I'm not like clinically anxious, but anxious. Mm -hmm. That is a big part of what helps me feel more grounded. It's just looking at my anxieties and saying, yeah, that's a risk, but it's not a very likely risk. Definitely. And just really breaking down the mm -hmm. reality behind it. And therapy can be a great resource for that. That's that's one really good use for therapy. And for some people, it is possible to do that with your partner or with a friend mm. that you trust. You know, if you notice a specific one and you want right. to have them call you out on it. I actually, because I did have a supportive boss at the time, I shared with her my realization. And then we were able to bring that into supervision. Now, my supervisor was also a therapist. So that was, that was right. helpful. But it was nice to be able to tell her that I'm realizing this. And so she could check in with me or kind mm. of just be more aware of the space that I was in before going into meetings with me. And that was very helpful. That's awesome. Well, Lindsay, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate your, not just personal experience, but your clinical perspective on all of these topics. Mm -hmm. I can't believe almost a half hour has transpired <laughs> since we started this conversation, but is there anything else you think our listeners absolutely must know any last nuggets of wisdom for recovering from a toxic workplace, like how to take care of yourself as you move forward. I would say two last things. One is it is important to regain a sense of 
mastery. So do remember to go back to things that you feel good at and feel confident at. A lot of times our toxic work environments can destroy our sense that we can do anything well. And so it's important to go back to some of those things for you. And then finally, if you try all these things and you're still struggling, please do seek out a mental health provider who could be helpful to you and help guide the process for you. Because it is really serious. I mean, the impact that these toxic work situations have on us. And so sometimes we do need a professional guide to help us along the way. Absolutely. And if if I could wave a magic wand, everyone would have access, easy, affordable access to a mental health professional. I'm pretty sure the world would be a much better place. So if you are among the very few in this world who has health insurance that covers mental health coverage, right? Do it. Do the due diligence of seeking out support. And let me just acknowledge for a second. I don't know if you ever hear this from your patients, Lindsay. Finding a therapist is fucking hard. Oh, it is. It's extremely difficult. (laughs) It took me, with all the privilege I have going for me, three months to find someone who I liked, who was covered by my insurance, who was still halfway across town. It took me half an hour to get there, which is annoying that I can't take the moped to her (laughs) office, but whatever. You know what I mean? Like there is a bunch of annoying bureaucracy standing in between you and all the good benefits of therapy. And do not let that deter you. Yes. It takes a lot of work to to find a therapist and and make that work. It is a big commitment. Yeah. And can be a big benefit. Such a big benefit. I know. I feel like this is my second time back in therapy for, from a really different perspective, right? Before I was like, oh my God, I am a hot mess. I don't know what to do with myself. I need therapy. More like my doctor was like, you need therapy. <laughs> and this, this is me seven years later. Like, hey, things are good, but I want to take it to the next level. How the hell am I going to get to the next level? Oh my gosh, this isn't a scary proposition. Let me get into therapy. Right, right. And from both perspectives, it's pretty great. It's pretty life-changing. So just as great as this conversation with you has been. <laughs> well, Lindsay, tell us a little bit about your day job and like what that looks like and how our ladies can get in touch with you if they want to follow up or or keep up with what you're up to. So I'm in private practice in the DC area. So if you are in the DC area, you can find me at the Mindful Heart in the Silver Spring office. And I work with individuals, couples, and families on a wide variety of issues. Um, I'd say probably the biggest thing I work on with people is people are at points of transition in their life in many different ways, transitions in their family Mm. or transitions in their personal life and transitions in their couplehood. So I really enjoy working with people who are dealing with those moments. If you want to learn more and connect with Lindsay, head to lindsayfoss.com. I'll include her link and all of today's relevant links that we discussed in this conversation in today's show notes, which you can always find at bossedup.org slash episode 168. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move Moment of the Week. Now, you recall how I mentioned that all of our Bossed Up Life Tracker Planner users gain access to our quarterly accountability calls, right? Well, this check-in came in following our third quarter check-in call of the year from TL. Here's what she had to say in the Bossed Up Courage community following that call. She said, quote, on the Bossed Up quarterly call, I mentioned my priority for the last bit of 2019 was to help make my new team of five direct reports feel like the brilliant human beings they are. 
recognized, appreciated, witnessed, and validated. It's my second week on the job, and one of my direct reports told me one thing he appreciates in our short time together is that he feels heard. Excited to be on the right track. Congratulations, TL. We're so proud of you. Not only did TL land a new job with five direct reports after, frankly, a bit of a grueling job search because she's a senior manager looking for senior positions, which can take a little bit of time to come by. But now she is focusing on not just making sure she makes a good impression with her boss as a new hire, which is what I talked about on the podcast just a few weeks ago. But she's focused on making a great impression with her direct reports. And that is the sign of the kind of boss that you want to work for. Congrats, TL. We are cheering you on. And I so appreciate you checking in. If you've got a boss move to share or a career conundrum you want me to break down on the podcast next, feel free to call it in right now on the Bossed Up Podcast hotline at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. If you found today's episode helpful and insightful, I want to hear from you. What are your biggest takeaways? Share them on social media and tag me at Emily Aries or at Bossed.org or take a moment now to share this episode with the women in your world who you know could use it. Until next time, keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose and together we'll lift as we climb.